Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Uh. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. I just want to say thank you for being a listener. Thank you for uh, watching on YouTube. And especially thank you for sharing uh, the Grind It Podcast with your friends and your family, your coworkers, people that you come in contact with each and every day. Because when you share this podcast, you give people the opportunity to hear about Jesus, to get to know Jesus. It gives people that already know Jesus an opportunity to grow closer to Jesus and it and it, it would challenge them to dig deeper into God's word, and especially as we're studying the book of Acts, and and we see all these great things that the apostles did, and how the Holy Spirit worked through these men and these women uh, in the church in the early church, and and the power of God that was manifested, and and how the power of God, because we have the same Holy Spirit that they have, or that they had, and we we serve the same God. And God doesn't change. And so God wants to use you and me to build his kingdom. I mean, the, the apostles are gone. And so now we are literally the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're, we are, we're all he has. And so he wants to use you, if you will allow him to, to glorify himself through you by working through you and the Holy Spirit being in you and working through you to grow his kingdom and thank you for all the things you do for the kingdom of god now uh in the last podcast we we went through the the sermon uh, of peter and how at the end of, of his sermon he, he tells the jews there he uh, uh, he says you are guilty of crucifying jesus and 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 i talked about how how are they guilty of crucifying Jesus if they were living somewhere else during the time of Jesus' crucifixion? And they, they, they weren't there. They didn't uh, yell out, crucify him. They didn't have the hammer in their hand and literally nail the, the, the nails into Jesus' hands and feet. It was the Roman soldiers that did that. But Peter tells them, he says, you're guilty of crucifying Jesus. And, and I talked about how it is because of sin that Jesus had to be nailed to the cross, that he, he had to die to pay the price of our sin. When Adam and Eve took that fruit, that God said, don't eat of that fruit from that tree, and they took that fruit and they ate of it, they were guilty of sin, even though it was just as something as simple as eating a piece of fruit. But God said, don't eat of it, and they ate of it, and so they disobeyed God, and sin entered the world. And I talked about how God had a plan from even before Adam, he even created, created Adam and Eve. He had a plan put in place because he knew Adam and Eve would sin. And that plan was to send his very own son to die a cruel death upon the cross and to be buried in that tomb for three days and to come up alive out of that tomb, victorious over death, hell, and the grave is revelation i believe it's revelation one talks about him having the keys to death hell and the grave and now 40 days have passed or 50 days have passed the holy spirit has fell upon 
these 12 apostles, just like Jesus had told them the promise would come in John chapter 14, we see it fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. And you see these men filled with all kinds of boldness. They, they, you know, when Jesus died on the cross and they were they they went back and and they literally literally had lost all hope and they were locked up in a room scared to death thinking that they were going to be the ones to die next and so now they're filled with all this boldness and they are proclaiming Jesus and how he is alive and he is and God has raised him up and he is sitting at the right hand of the father and he is sitting in this place of authority and he has all power and all authority and and, he, and Peter says, you are the ones who are guilty of crucifying Jesus. And God has taken this Jesus whom you crucified and made him both Lord and Christ or Messiah. And, 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 and uh, Luke writes that the, the people were pierced in their heart. And when they were pierced in their heart, they were convicted by the message of the Holy Spirit through Peter. And they asked the question, men and brethren, what do we have to do? And Peter says, that's a great question. Let me give you the answer to that. And he says, repent each of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children, all that are far away, that's you and me, as many as our Lord God will call to himself. And God still calls people today to be saved. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on urging him, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And so they asked the question, what do we have to do? And so the last podcast, I talked about how, what, what is the use of arguing about do I have to be baptized or not? Or what, what's the mode of baptism, sprinkling or uh, is it immersion? Or do I just have some water poured over me or, you know, whatever. You can do a, a, a search in the scriptures and you'll see that baptism is being fully immersed in water when John baptized Jesus, they were down in the water and they come up out of the water and the Holy Spirit falls and lands upon Jesus in the form of a dove. When uh, Philip baptizes the eunuch, they went down into the water and they come up out of the water. And as soon as they come up out of the water, the Holy Spirit uh, whisks Philip away and the, the eunuch goes off rejoicing. The, the mode is fully immersion and the question, what do we have to do? Well, it's simple. And I shared scripture uh, from Matthew 28, 18 through 20 and Mark 16, 15 and 16, where Jesus says to his disciples, he says, you go teach all people and you baptize them in my name. And so when, when Jesus says in Mark 16, 15 and 16, those who believe and are baptized will be saved. And that word and conjoins two separate thoughts. Those who believe and those who are baptized they're saved. And so if Jesus says it, and when they ask Peter and the other apostles, what do we have to do to right this wrong? Since we're guilty of crucifying Jesus, what do we have to do to make it right? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. And he's talking to these Jews who thought Jesus was a blasphemer. The Jews accused Jesus of being from Satan, of the devil. They called him Beelzebub. And, and, and so they wouldn't even mention the name of Jesus because they thought they were blaspheming God. And here's Peter saying, you've got to repent of your sins and you have to be baptized, fully immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why argue that? 
Why not just do what they said to do? Well, what about my ancestors that died and they wouldn't baptize? Not my place. It's not my place to put people in heaven or in hell. I'm not the judge. I just tell people how to get there. And if you're hearing this podcast uh, and you're hearing what the, the words of Jesus are and you're hearing uh, what Peter says when they ask, what do I have to do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And you want to argue that? Take it up with God. But study the scriptures for yourself and see what God says and what God's word says and be obedient. Don't argue it. Just do what God says to do. And you will receive what God promises that you will receive. That's salvation in Christ. So I want to pick up now in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2 because Peter has preached that first sermon and we read through that in the last podcast on the day of Pentecost through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's filled with all this boldness and he's proclaiming Jesus and he's telling them how to be saved. In verse 41 it says, now listen to this real carefully. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. And that day they were added about 3,000 souls to the church. I'm going to read that again. So then, those who had received his word, Peter's message, the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter and how he, they have crucified Jesus and how God has made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. They received his word. They were baptized because that's what Peter said they had to do. They obeyed. And that day they were added about 3,000 souls. The church has taken off. Here it is. It's starting right here by the power of the Holy Spirit working through the apostles. There were thousands gathered uh, on that day to celebrate Passover, uh, I'm sorry, Pentecost. They were gathered in Jerusalem to offer their first fruits to God. And they see this commotion going on, and thousands upon thousands, they hear the message. But 3,000, and we think that's a lot, a lot of, you know, and it is a lot of people. But compared to the number of people that were around that day, this is probably not a very big number. But 3,000 people receives his word, and they're baptized. They're obedient. Every day, all over the world, the gospel, the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is preached by means of TV, uh, by internet, uh, by social media, podcasts like mine and others, in churches all over the world, on the streets. Not too long ago, I seen a, a street preacher at one of my uh, pilot stores. He's just preaching away. Uh, and there's just all different kinds of ways that the message of the gospel going out and thousands upon thousands upon thousands hear this message, but only a few receive it. And there's a huge difference. You can hear the message and reject it. It'll go in one ear and out the other. You just don't even process. You don't, don't even think about it. It never, just never even enters your mind again. But in a lot of people, they hear the message and it, it just it hits home with them. And they receive 
God's message of the gospel, what Jesus has done for our sins, how he died for our sins, and he was buried in that tomb, and he come out of that tomb victorious over death, hell, and the grave, and they want eternal life with Jesus, with God in heaven. And they say, what do I have to do? Repent and be baptized. Okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. And so they receive the message, and they, they're obedient. What are you going to do, friend? Are you going to listen to the message and receive it? And be obedient and act on it? Or are you just going to let it just blow right over your shoulder and pay no mind? When we come back from break, we're going to uh, read Acts chapter 2, verses 43 through 47 and finish off this chapter. My name is Dinah Grace Hawk, and I started a movement of empowerment. I focus on Revelation 12:11, which states that we will overcome, conquer, and defeat him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we will not love our own lives, even unto death. See, sharing testimony squashes pride. It empowers, it strengthens, it encourages, and it heals. This whole movement is focused on sharing our testimony, our walk with the Lord, how he's using us in this life to empower others to do the same. By doing this, we will overcome anything that this world can throw at us because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Every week from now till the end of the year, I'll be highlighting a different woman in the ministry and they're going to share their testimony. Tune in every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, either on Facebook or Instagram at Dinah Grace Hawk. And you get to be a part of this movement too. I'll see you there. So I want to pick up with uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 43 through 47, and just point out a few things from these verses as we finish up Acts chapter 2. Luke writes, he says, A deep sense of awe came over, uh, over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Okay, so just a few things that I want to point out here in, in the rest of this podcast and we'll finish up Acts 2. Why did the apostles perform signs and wonders? That's a, I think that's a good question. Um, well, think about this. They didn't have a Bible. They, they had Old Testament stuff. They had some scrolls or whatever. Uh, but they probably, you know, they're not like us where they have, you know, what what's the average home have today? Like five or six Bibles, you know, collecting dust because a lot of people don't use it even though they, they have it. That, 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 that didn't exist back in that day. And, and so they didn't have a Bible that they could literally hold in their hand and, and say, well, I'm going to turn to Acts chapter 2 and share with you what the Holy Spirit did. Uh, they couldn't do that. So they had to have proof, verification of the message that they're preaching about Jesus. And so they would hammer these people uh, with Jesus, and then they would, you know, you know, just like Peter did, he says, you have crucified Jesus and God has made him both Lord and Christ. And, and here, here's signs and wonders to prove it. And, they, and so they would work these miracles to back up the message that they are pro proclaiming. So there would be no denying that these people were from God and that God was using them through the power of his Holy Spirit, working through them to grow the kingdom. So... That was one of the reasons why the apostles performed miraculous signs 
and wonders to back up the message. Uh, the second thing I want to share from this, these passages is that they sold their possessions and they shared their money to show unity, to help meet needs, and, and, and for this one basic thing, to survive. You have to remember uh, persecution is about to come really quickly. Uh, and so they, they've got to survive. This is a very, very brand new movement, if you will. Um, they were called people of the way. They haven't even started to become uh, be called Christians yet. They're, they're, they're known as people of the way because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? But they sold their possessions and they shared their money, you know, they, but they still own their properties. They still own their land, but they would sell it and they would take the money and they would lay it at the apostles' feet. They had to take care of each other. There, there, there were no government handouts like there are today. You know, there wasn't the EBT where you could, you know, go scan your plastic card and you don't have to pay for anything because the government has put money in, in, into that card. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but you know, that that's what the system is used for. That that's what our government has chose to do, and people take advantage of that. And and and, and I don't blame them if they can take advantage of it. Then take advantage of it. But the early church, there was no plastic card to scan. They, they had to survive, and they had to survive by relying on each other. And so they would sell their possessions, and they would share what they gained with those who were in need. But here's the thing, and, it, and I tell people this all the time, and, uh, you know, I can't meet your need if I don't know that you have a need. If you would share your need with me or with somebody, they would be able to meet your need. And that's exactly what the early church did. They shared their needs with each other, and each other would help meet that need. But we have to share the need to be able to meet the need. But a lot of people today, we don't, we don't want to share our needs. We don't want people to know that we're needy. Uh, because we want people to think we have our lives all together and we're good. And we're not good, especially in this COVID days. Um, there's people scared to death and they need peace. And they have, you know, the people who have COVID, they, they've lost loved ones. They need comfort. Uh, people who, who, who have COVID and, and, and make it through it, they, they have needs. They, they can't go out and go to the store. So they need people to bring them food and bring them groceries and, and bring them medicines and need encouragement, you know, to, to get through this. Um, because it's kind of like a plague, you know, you, you, you don't want to be around nobody. And you, you know, you're, so you're kind of, um, in quarantine you have to be by yourself and so you know pick up the phone and call and encourage i mean there's all kind of things that we can do to to meet people's needs the third thing i want to share from these this, these last few passages is that church buildings did not exist the early church met daily at the temple that's what luke says here in acts chapter 2 church buildings these Millions and millions of dollars that we're spending on these buildings, they did not exist in Acts chapter 2 when the church began. In fact, uh, they started meeting in people's homes. And we'll see that as we get through uh, the book of Acts. The church is not a building, whether it's a metal building or a brick building, whatever building where, where you go to meet as a church, the church is not a building. The church are the people that meet 
in the building. What, what What is the thing we do with our hands? Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Here's the people. Open it up and there's the people. I can't remember how it goes as a kid. But the church is not the building. The church is the people that is inside the building. And and I've seen signs since COVID started saying that the church, I've seen shirts. This is what it was. I've seen this on a t-shirt. The church has left the building, but the, the church should have never even been in a building. The church should have left buildings a long time ago because you are the church and Jesus is with you wherever you go. You are the church and you show Jesus wherever you go. Now the temple, it was it was huge. I mean, it was ginormous, and it had a huge yard, and so it had plenty of uh, of room so that the, it, these people could meet together. And they met daily at the temple, and and it was a great place to attract people to the kingdom of God because they were already coming to the temple to worship God, and and, and so they would be a prime target to hear the message of the gospel. So wherever you go, you are preaching a message. Do people see Jesus? Do they hear Jesus coming from your lips? Or what do they hear? What do they see when they see you? Another thing that I want to share is from this, these passages, these last few passages in Acts chapter 2, is that they met in homes to take the Lord's Supper. The congregation of believers that I worship with at Partnership Christian Church, used to be Blunt Christian Church, on Highway 321 in Maryville, Tennessee. We take the Lord's Supper, that little piece of bread and that, that cup of juice. Uh, we take it every Lord's Day. We take it every first day of the week. We take it every Sunday, every time we get together on Sunday morning. We partake of the Lord's Supper. And this is something that the majority of churches, whatever flavor you belong to, they don't do it anymore. It's just not, it's not a thing. They, they might do it once a year. They might do it once a quarter, but they have not made it a priority. They, they, they really just, you think about it, these churches today, they don't, they don't have time to do it. They come, they're too busy putting on a show for people. They, they, they've got the fancy lights. They, 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 they've got the fog machines, you know, and, and they've got the TVs and the projectors and, you know, the, they got the fancy uh, bands and their professional bands. They don't mess up and, and they got the nice equipment and, and, and you know, they've got million dollar budgets. They, they, it's just a big old show. You know, and the preacher walks out and he's dressed just like the, any other preacher in the area that's been to the same conference where, you know, this is how the preachers dress today, you know, and whatever that trend is going on today. I can assure you they don't look like me. Um, but anyway, um, they, they preach a four point sermon and, 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 you know, it, it's, all done on a timer. Uh, most people don't really notice this, but if you're in your church, if you look back at the TV in the back or a projector or whatever is projected on the wall, you'll see a countdown for each song that comes on when the worship singers are singing. Uh, and, and somebody, if somebody is doing the Lord's Supper or they're taking up an offering or whatever, because they're going to pass that plate because they're going to take time to take up the money because they got to pay for that million dollar budget, right? But, uh, 
everything's done on this timer and it has to be done because you know we got to usher out this crowd that's gathered for this first service so we can get this new crowd in that's coming in for the second service and the third service so you know we're not going to get time for god to work because it's done on the timer we got to get them in get them out you know and move on and so you know anyway take time for the lord's supper it was very important to the early church they did it every lord's day in fact you can make an argument we'll see it here later on in, in uh things around eight acts chapter eight acts chapter ten somewhere in there that it's when when uh when the guy falls out of the window i can't remember what chapter it is because paul preaches so long um but they had met to take the lord's supper that's the reason why they had gathered but churches just don't do that anymore they it's just not important um but I would challenge them to get into God's Word and see the importance of taking the Lord's Supper um, and, and start doing that in their churches. Another thing that I want to share real quickly is that they share their meals with great joy and generosity. You know, when is the last time that you've had somebody at your house and shared a meal with them? I mean, actually cooked a meal, grilled on the grill or whatever, you know, fried some fish, you know, made some burgers, whatever. And, and and had a meal for a family uh, in your home. When's the last time you took somebody out for supper or for lunch or maybe for breakfast or whatever, or a cup of coffee and just sat down and, and, and had a discussion uh, with this individual or with this family? It was a huge thing for the early church and the early Christians to do, to share meals, and they did it with great joy, and, and they were very generous. They were full of generosity. When's the last time that somebody has described you as a person who is full of generosity? Because Jesus was, and the early church was. They shared what they had. They were not selfish. And the last thing that I want to share with you from those, those verses, those last few verses of Acts 2, is this. They never lost their focus. They never lost their focus. Every day they gathered at the temple sharing their possessions, sharing their food, worshiping Jesus with great joy. And they did these things on a daily basis. And while they did these things, they continued to praise God. And it just shows where their heart was. They were overwhelmed by the grace of God and they were in love with Him so much that they gave their everything, their all to Him and for Him. What about you? Do you give your all to God and for God and for His kingdom? Or do you just give a little? And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about of yourself, of your talents. God has blessed you with certain talents that other people can't do. Are you using those talents, whatever it may be, baking pies, sewing, uh, playing an instrument, uh, anything? Anything? What is your special talent that you can do that you can use to bless other people and give glory to God and help to encourage those in the kingdom of God and to bring people to God and to grow His kingdom. What does God really mean to you? What does Jesus and what, what He has done for your salvation, what does that really mean to you? How much do you give of yourself for the kingdom of God? I hope it's a lot, beloved. 
I hope that your life is focused and centered around Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, and His church. And maybe God be glorified in your life and through your life and my life and through my life. And that may people see Jesus in you and in me and, and want what we have. Because if they don't, we're not doing something right and we need to get with it. Let's get with it together. What do you say? God bless. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just my, grind it. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, look, all my life, been grinding all my life.